close your eyes and pull like a dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. On today's podcast we're revisiting the 2010 All-Ireland semi-final between Cork and Dublin as part of our classic game series. Over the coming weeks we'll be revisiting some of the greatest games in Cork GAA history and we want your input. So if there are any games you'd like us to review, please get in touch by emailing sport at southernstar.ie. Now Kieran, without further ado, we're going to take a look at the 2010 All-Ireland Semi-final between Cork and Dublin at Croke Park. Cork coming into this season off the back of a loss in the 2009 All-Ireland Final against Kerry. But coming into this game against a resurgent Dublin side under Pat Gilroy, what was Cork's form like? Um, to be fair, Jack, Cork's form was patchy enough in during the summer of 2010. Um, like you mentioned there, Kerry had beaten Cork in the 2009 all-Ireland final and it was Cork when the kind of nearly men of the football championship at the time Cork also lost in 2007 to Kerry as well and they'd been in I think five All-Ireland finals in a row five All-Ireland semi-finals in a row before before 2010 so the the game against Dublin was their, was their sixth All-Ireland semi-final in a row um, the form is patchy go back to the Munster championship uh, the Munster semi-final um, Kerry and Cork finished the draw down in Killarney um, Kerry got a late point that day. I think it was Gucci got a point to force a replay and um, back up back up to Cork, and that went to extra time. And Kerry won one fifteen to 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 one fourteen. Um, so that sent Cork into the qualifiers. Then Jack and again the four. It was, Cork were a bit hit and missed to be honest. Um, looking through some of the results, they they hockeyed Kevin one nineteen to four points in round two of the qualifiers. They didn't beat Wexford twelve points to five. In round four, the qualifiers up in the Gaelic grounds, Cork needed extra time to beat Limerick 16 points to 111, and that put him through them to the quarterfinal where they beat Roscommon 116 to 10. But again, Cork were fairly lackluster that day. They only led by a point at half time. They kicked on in the second half. Uh, Pierce O'Neill got a goal in the 64th minute to give them a bit of breathing space. Um, that game against Roscommon was notable too, Jack, that Kenty, Graham Kenty, was obviously Cork captain that year. He would die for the hamstring injury in, in the second that that injury would go on to kind of curtail his influence for for the rest of the championship. So going into this game against Dublin, um, All Ireland semi final in twenty ten, Cork would have been the favourites against the Dubs given the kind of bank of experience that Cork had, but their form wasn't great to be quite honest. And just to touch on the Dubs then for a second, obviously we know what came after with the Dubs, the six in a row, etc. But this Dublin side, they were just looking through the team there and watching back the highlights. Like they had Bernard Brogan basically coming into his peak. There was a young Philly McMahon who, at times, looked like he was going to. At times, he looked like the player he was going to go on to become. And then you also had Alan Brogan, who was still, still, close enough to his peak as well. He wasn't wasn't quite over the hill yet. And it was Packer. They were they were fifteen years without reaching an All Ireland final, and there was an expected air around Croke Park that day so 
just before we look at the game in too much depth, what what did you make of the dubs just uh, revisiting this game yourself? Were you impressed by what you saw or were they could you could you see that they were still just a bit away from what they went on to become? They were still I think they were just like you mentioned there, the likes of Bernard Brogue and then and so on. They were a, a team that, that were building under Pat Gilroy. If you go back to the Inster Championship in twenty ten, um, Mead Hockey Dublin um, the, what was that? That was five nine to three points in a Leinster five nine to thirteen points in a Leinster semi final. So that sent Dublin to kind of senior group as well. They went through the back door like Cork did. Um, looking through that that Dublin team that day, like you see the likes of Stephen Cluxton there, like you there you mentioned Bernard Brogan, you'd Philly McMahon in there, Keno Sullivan, um, Alan Brogan, Brian Cullen, Ono Gara. So um, you can see the kind of the players who would become on go on to become such a force with Dublin when they took over in, in the next decade so they were a team on the up but they weren't quite at the pitch that the Dubs are at, at sorry at Cork are at and you mentioned in your piece which is in this week's Southern Star sports section that this was a game that Cork should never have won so why why was that used as a way to describe this game Cork should never have won because Dublin dominated for I suppose the first 50-55 minutes of this game um, Cork were just hanging on to their coattails to, to be fair like as had as was the case throughout the championship and we mentioned already Cork were just a bit hit and miss they never they never found top gear against the Dublin in this All-Ireland semi-final they never even hit fourth gear to be quite honest and when I was chatting to Dunnick O'Connor for um for, for the piece in this week's Southern Star, he kind of said the same thing. He said Cork got out of jail that day and they kind of felt a huge amount of relief after the game um, that they had won. That 2010 for Cork, as Dunnick was telling me, it was all about Cork getting back to the All-Ireland final. They'd lost to Kerry in 2009. Like I mentioned, they'd been the nearly men and the championship had really opened up at that stage. Kerry were gone already. Kerry had lost to, to Down in the All-Ireland quarterfinal and Kerry had been, um, I suppose, Cork's kryptonite in the in the couple of years beforehand. So you could really see the kind of path to the first All Ireland since uh, 1990 opening up for for um, for Cork. But the Dubs weren't going to be rolled over. Like you, you can just picture the scene, like you know, kind of a packed Croke Park with the Dublin fans in the hill, and you can you can hear kind of come on you boys in blue rolling off the hill, and it's um it's one of the great spectacles of of the GEA Jack. To be quite honest, when you that was puts the hairs in the back of your neck standing up. I've been lucky enough to be up in Croke Park countless times for, for big games. And when the dogs pack out Croke Park and you hear the noise, you can actually feel the noise coming off the hill. It's incredible. So, And Dublin did sense that day that they could beat, that they could beat Cork. And as the game was was kind of um, evolving, they were the better team for, for long stretches. So it was only the last, you could say, if, 15 minutes that, that the game kind of turned in Cork's favour yeah and I think it has to be pointed out as well especially in the first half Dublin were far more clinical in front of goal I think I, I, I just watched back this morning on YouTube there's a very useful 20 minutes highlights package so if anyone wants to check it out and uh, revisit the game with us please do but I think Cork had something like 9 wides in the first half <coughs> and Dublin had I think 1 or 2 wides Bernard Brogan was just shooting the lights out. He was scoring off his right, off his left, from all over the field. So although you say Cork probably weren't at the races or they should never have won the game, if they had been more clinical in attack, they could have easily pulled away from Dublin in the first half, but they, they didn't. I also thought it was interesting the kind of dif- different tactical setups that 
both teams adopted again in the first kind of a in the first hour of the game really so up until the last 10 minutes when Cork actually got a stronger foothold in the game Dublin were pressing very high up the field forcing Cork to try and work their way out and Cork were not resorting to kicking the ball out they were very much a hand passing team at that time and in the first 45 minutes Cork had made 103 hand passes to Dublin's 38 so that just tells you the difference in styles and it, and it worked for Dublin up to a point the high intensity the pressure they were putting on Cork but in the end it actually undone them because they were committing an amount of needless fouls which eventually led Cork back into the game Here, 100% I suppose um, Cork were very experienced at that stage like we've already said they were in kind of five All-Ireland semi-finals beforehand two All-Ireland finals um, this was a team that was building for for the last couple of years whereas this this Dublin team are probably starting out or and a, a lot earlier part of their journey so this Cork team knew how to win games and like Donegal O'Connor was saying as well it was that the experience kind of garnered over the years meant that Cork played to the 72nd 73rd minute so they knew they knew how to keep going right to the end and you could see too, I suppose, in in that last last quarter of that game, that the, the experience of Cork did it, it did show because Dublin were conceding needless foul after needless foul, and Cork just punished them. Then Cork had hung in hung in there all through the game, and when their opportunity came, they pounced. Um, Dundalk O'Connor finished with one five that day. He got the penalty that kind of brought them right back into the game, and that was just after ne- Colm O'Neill had come on as a sub, and Colm O'Neill caused fierce problems when he came on in, in, the, in the inside line, and it was uh, Ross McConnell who fouled him, I think, for the for the penalty after 53 or 54 and minutes. Just, and just while, while, while we're on the subject of Ross McConnell, he must have nightmares thinking back about this game, because <laughs> as you say, he gives away the penalty fouling Colm O'Neill, which then gives Donnick O'Connor the chance to convert brings Cork right back into the game I think they were only one point down then and they eventually obviously kicked on and won but the the huge one for Ross McConnell was in the 70th minute the most needless headless foul to give Donnick O'Connor a chance to put Cork one point up he gets his marching orders and I was just looking at his Wikipedia page earlier to see if he ever actually played for Dublin again (laughs) it says he was with the squad until 2012 I'm not sure how much of a role he had but my god one of the worst displays in the last 15 minutes of an All-Ireland semi-final I've ever seen because he gives away the penalty then he fouls for Dunnock O'Connor's point to put Cork in front so he must be having absolute nightmares and kittens when he thinks back about that and hopefully he doesn't listen to this because it'll only bring up bad memories from the past so uh, our thoughts go out to Ross McConnell on that one but yeah you mentioned Cork experience and Dunnock O'Connor in particular he had three freeze in the last five minutes two to get them back into the game and then one to put them in front and the noise coming from the hill do you know this thing that they have in rugby where you respect the kicker and everyone remains silent Mm -hmm. there was none of that in Croke Park back in 2010 there was incessant whistling Darren Maloney in the commentary actually references it a few times he can barely hear himself thinking with all the whistling from the Dublin fans so you can only imagine Dineco O'Connor but he's unflappable he nails all of his important Mm -hmm. kicks like there were three kind of clutch moments in, in the last couple of minutes um, first one Colin O'Neill was fouled Dunnock uh, converted a free that left Cork one point behind a minute or two later Colin O'Neill was fouled again Dunnock stepped up right foot again nailed a free that levelled the game and then like you mentioned there uh, Noel O'Leary was kind of he was pulled down Jesus it was an unmerciful tackle kind of just to pull him down um, 
kind of gave Cork the opportunity opportunity to go ahead and Donica held his nerve again you know kind of talk about nerves of steel and the kind of the biggest stages of all like you've the the eyes of the country looking at you you've all the Dublin fans whistling you were a Cork team I suppose that had come up short in a couple of years previously and there was question marks over would they, would they ever win this All-Ireland so so many question marks around this team yet Donica stood up and he nailed that free and they kind of kicked on from there I think it was Derek Kevin I got a Got a got a free in got a score in injury time as well that pushed him two up and Bernard Brogan did come back with a point later on but it was it, it was too late by that that stage but it was that that's Bernard Brogan point at the end here just just to touch on it because I mentioned yeah. a few times how good Bernard Brogan was on the day like uh, in just watching the highlight package that I did Bernard Brogan looked to me to be by far the best player on both sides no one touched him in terms of skill finishing but that almost like his his confidence or his need to be the top scorer in the game almost came back to bite him in the end because with the last kick of the game Dublin had piled everyone forward so in front of the court goal Dublin needed a goal basically they were two points down and last kick of the game Brogan had to drop it in but he took his point so he finished at 1-7 so when he looks back in the game he goes oh yeah we lost but I still scored 1-7 but why he didn't drop it in and give Dublin at least a chance to get back into it and score a goal and you know maybe overturn and it could have been a dramatic late late winner but no he took the point he upped his own personal stats and uh, Dublin were beaten but and just you mentioned as well the experience of Cork and that they had built up I think it's an interesting comparison when you compare how Donnick O'Connor handled the last five minutes versus how Ross McConnell handled the last five minutes there is no comparison mm-hmm. so all that experience eventually told for Cork as it did for Dublin in future years yeah, very true because like we mentioned that, that Cork team was building with a couple of years and it was a very strong Cork team and you actually look back now like Alan Quirk and Gold Ray Terry Michaels John Miskland the full back line half back line of Noel O'Leary Kenty and Paddy Cassan Alan O'Connor and Aidan Walsh started midfield at the half forward line of Paul Kerrigan Pierce O'Neill Paddy Kelly full forward line of Daniel Goulding Kieran Sheehan and Donegal O'Connor like that's a really strong force 15 and then look who came off the bench that day you'd Owen Cadigan came on for Kenty at half time. Um, we'd mentioned earlier that Kenty picked up a hamstring injury in the quarter final. He passed the late fitness test to start against the Dubs, but he clearly wasn't fully fit that day. And he came off at half time and it obviously come on in the final against Down and play a very important role. But um, he went off at half time against the Dubs in that semi final. Nick Murphy came on. You'd um, who else get Derek Kavanagh came on. Fintan Dool, Fintan Gould came on. So Colm O'Neill obviously came on had a huge impact so the strength and depth in that Cork team was was frightening in some respects um, but that, that was a culmination of years and years of building from Billy Morgan then under Conor Coonahan so that team was on, on their journey kind of coming towards I suppose the coming towards the summit of what they would achieve so um, experience does count in games like that they'd been in the big games before they'd been in All-Ireland Finals um, they kind of they could deal with the pressure better better than Dublin could. They held their cool, they held their nerve, and they got the reward, which was a a place in the All Ireland final, which is what they wanted that year. And then obviously history shows that they went on to beat down in the final and get that All Ireland. But this game against Dublin was so so important. It was a such an important step on that road to glory. And just uh, before we wrap up today's edition of classic games is there anything looking back I know it's only 10 years ago now was, but was there anything that stood out to you just from the general gameplay or the look of things or what stood out to you as a 
slightly interesting looking back on a game from 10 years ago well if you go back 10 years ago I was sports editor of the Kingdom newspaper in Kerry um, so I'd obviously seen a lot of, of Cork in the previous couple of years but from a Kerry perspective um, like there was a time when you had a very good Kerry team and you had a very good Cork team but the Kerry, Kerry just seemed to edge Cork more often than not so I really watched on with interest um, to see how Cork got on in 2010 because I was up in Cork Park the day that Down beat Kerry and you could have no complaints um, that day that quarter final Down were by, by far the better team and you could see early on that day that it didn't look like Kerry were, were going to win that game so um, I just remember watching the semi-final and even the final um, watching, the, watching the final at, at home like this was a household in Kerry watching the, the Cork Down All-Ireland final because everybody was interested to see could Cork take that next step and win the All-Ireland that they threatened for a couple of years beforehand because that was a very strong Cork team I know people after said should that team have achieved more and I don't know kind of you can those arguments are, are fairly pointless in a way I think because um, kind of seasons change so much and kind of when you went into the next decade obviously Dublin started to emerge but um, for me what stood out was the fact that Cork did win the All-Ireland because such a great collection of players if such a powerful team as well a physically strong strong team like they went toe to toe with a very very good Kerry team all through that decade and sometimes Cork were very unlucky not to not to beat Kerry even even go back to early 2010 in the, the Munster semi-final um, Cork could have beaten Kerry in Killarney um, if not for Gooch's late point I think it was Gooch Gooch's late point yeah and Cork hadn't beaten Kerry and Killarney since 95 and they still haven't beaten Kerry and Killarney so that was a Cork team that was there thereabouts for years and 2010 was their year okay against Dublin they didn't play well but they won but that's we all know that's a sign of a very good team that even if you don't play well and you still win the big games that means a team has something about them and that Cork team had and to be honest it was great to see them win that All-Ireland because it would have been such a shame if if that really 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 good Cork team had gone all the way through its, um, its time span without winning the biggest prize of all so um, did they, maybe they didn't deserve to beat Dublin that day maybe they did because they, they held their nerve and they showed composure at the end but I suppose what matters is Cork did beat the Dubs and they did win the All-Ireland and they got I suppose they got their just reward for, for the journey they'd been on Yeah absolutely and just a few points of reference I want to bring up before we wrap up even though it was only 10 years ago one thing that stood out for me was the, the looser fitting jerseys and the players nowhere near as bulky as you'd expect them now they're very lean like there's no uh, 1990s players with beer bellies or anything they are lean they look athletic but they don't seem to have the same shoulders or arms that you'd see now but maybe it's just the jerseys were looser fitting also a young Philly McMahon having his shorts pulled up nearly to his nipples <laughs> it's just <laughs> hilarious to me obviously he was a young guy coming in he was trying to look the business and uh, he just looked anything but and lastly then in the post-match interview on RTE from the Cork side they had Conor Coonahan but they also had Paul Kerrigan who I thought had a very good game he dragged Cork back into it at times but what I would say about his post-match interview was his extremely questionable baronet now I know I'm not one to talk really my hair is not looking too smart at the minute but my excuse is we're in the middle of a quarantine and we can't get out to the barbers I don't know what Paul Kerrigan's excuse was he was going to play in an All-Ireland semi-final and he was rocking well maybe it was of its time do you know what kind of shark wet look gel kind of a half mohawk thing I guess you'd call it maybe a V I'm not sure maybe we'd have to ask Paul exactly what he was going for on the day but uh, yeah questionable Barnett 
from Paul. Great post-match interview, though. Very forthright and to the point. But yeah, his hair. We maybe have to to look at that one. But Kieran, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to to say about the game, and maybe just to remind people what else is in this week's start? Um, uh, I suppose what's in this week's star there's obviously plenty of reading in, in this week's Southern Star we've um, and it's on sale now in shops now will be for the next couple of days you've obviously our um, Jack your, your super piece on Dan O'Mahony the, 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 the wrestling giant for Benny the Hob that was the talk of the professional wrestling world in America um, go back was that the 1930s was it 1940s yeah, 1930s 1930s um, with some great stuff as well what we have we have Orla Cronin's chicken and chickpea curry recipe which she has challenged me I think to cook um, she called me out on Twitter yesterday asking me have I have I cooked it so I think I'll have to accept that challenge um, also this week an interview with Fintan McCarthy the world champion roar from Skibbereen on the Olympic postponement um, loads and their kind of so just get to get to a shop. Oh, Mike Doolan, Mike Doolan's interview where the Drina Rangers legend kind of announces his retirement. You you could say um, he started playing with Drina Rangers when he was fourteen back in nineteen ninety one, and he he played up to last year when they won the Division Two um, title and cup in the West Cork League. So I caught up with Mike Doolan just for a chat about for soccer in in general. So there's plenty of good stuff in this week's Southern Star in shops now and on. On the classic games, we're going to run this for the next couple of weeks. Obviously, there's no live sport at the moment, but this is such a great chance to relive some of the the greatest um, matches in in Cork GA history. So whether it's a club game or a county game, just feel free to get in touch with us, kind of either on Twitter or email or wherever else you like, to let us know what game you would like us to go back and look at. And it'll be in. We'll try and get it in in Thursday Southern Star on next week's edition. Um, I. I'm looking back on the 1983 Munster football final. That's a very famous final in Parky Cueve. Kerry were going for the nine in a row, but Cork um, Cork played spoil sport that day for Kerry. Tiger Murphy's obviously famous late goal, and I've spoken to John Cleary of Castlehaven fame about his memories that day. He, John Cleary, that was his f- first season as a Cork senior. That was his first Munster senior football final. I think he finished with 1-5 or 1-6 against Kerry that day. So I had a great chat with John Cleary and that's in next Thursday Southern Star. So that's well worth picking up again and um, hopefully these classic games will, will keep our readers entertained until live sport resumes. Yeah, and of course you can also purchase your copy of the Southern Star online just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper or if you'd like the Southern Star delivered straight to your front door, just call 0282100. But that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. So if you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, Stitcher or wherever else you listen to the show. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to all things sport in West Cork. Don't forget to pick up this Thursday Southern Star newspaper, including our award-winning sports section with everything a West Cork sports fan could want. In shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world via www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper. The Southern Star and the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork.